بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم نحمد رسول کریم اماباد الحمد للہ جنائی از دا ففتھ آف مے ان دا ایئر ٹو تھاؤزنڈ اینڈ of the illustrious companion, Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiyallahu And I'm on the subsection in which we're taking a glimpse into his incredible rank and also our beloved messengers that allow so much deep love for him. On yesterday I spent the session mentioning the famous incident where both in Makkah and in Al-Madinah the chiefs of the various tribes came and They wanted six of the venerable souls to leave the presence of the Prophet Ibn Masood being one of them and then verses Surah Al-An'am, three verses were revealed and one verse in Surah Al-Kahf. So let's take a few lessons from these authentic reports. The first, the tremendous rank of the above-mentioned individuals that the Lord of the world subhanahu wa ta'ala could not tolerate any disrespect to them by revealing five sacred verses on their behalf. So the obvious lesson, Allah has great affection for them. No, he didn't reveal just one verse, but five verses. The second, awesome praise of their daily worship, mentioning both the day and night. So Allah mentions in the verses which I mentioned yesterday, that they turned to me during the day and night. So they weren't just strong in their worship during the day. They were also strong during the night. So again, a complete, perfect human being. Thirdly, the sincerity of their worship, which could only be mentioned by the Lord of hearts. We cannot gauge somebody's sincerity. But Allah mentions clearly, they're doing it for my face. So they were absolutely pure in their worship. Number four, They're being described as grateful by the Lord of the worlds. Mm-hmm. I.e. the verse says, Does your Lord not know who is grateful? Mm-hmm. And gratefulness is a huge attribute. The Prophet once said in Imam Sayyuti in his Jami as Sahir, Iman has two components. One is sabr, the other is shukr. Mm-hmm. So note Allah Ta'ala places their gratefulness as well. Number five. Our beloved Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam first being instructed to sit with them. That was the first command. Because do not overlook them, sit with them. And they sat knee to knee like I mentioned. Then number six, then he was instructed, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, to not leave them until they themselves offered excuses. So they knew the Prophet had to do his routine, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, so the companions would make excuses so he could fulfill his tasks. And number seven, His immense love for them, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, stating he would henceforth live and also die with them. Mm-hmm. Subhanallah, and the awesome praise goes on endless. Mm-hmm. So now these were six of the elite companions, Ibn Masood being one of them, radiyallahu. Indeed, three of the above blessed personalities from the six mentioned have also been mentioned in the following famous narration. In Tirmadhi, number 3984, Ahmad in his Musnad 1-148, 
Mishkat number 6255 or volume 4 number 168 in the chapter on the companions in general. Sayyidina Ali radiyallahu he relates that our beloved messenger said sallallahu alayhi wa sallam inna liqulli nabiyin sab'ata nujaba'a wa ruqaba'a wa u'tito ana arba'ata ashar verily every prophet alayhi salatu wa sallam had seven eminent men who were the very security gods but I sallallahu alayhi wa sallam have graciously been given 14 they asked I sayyidina Ali the narrator radiyallahu manhum who are they sayyidina Ali radiyallahu said myself my two sons Hassan and Hussein Ja'far ibn Abu Talib Hamza Abu Bakr, Umar, Mus'ab ibn Umar, Bilal, Salman, Ammar, Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, Abu Dhar, and Mikdad. Radiyallahu ta'ala. So let's look at this. So, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa he said every prophet was were given seven nujaba'a wa ruqaba'a i.e. seven elite souls who would basically be like the special servants to serve the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa and the glorious deen. His eye being given 14. So now does this mean every prophet? So if you look at various reports, one report says that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa said I saw a prophet and he had no followers. This is a Sahih Hadith. So, there seems to be a conflict. If they were given seven eminent men, how could one Prophet have no followers? So, the response is, maybe the Prophet was referring to the major Prophets, or maybe the majority of Prophets, Allah Ta'ala knows best. But there were seven, and note again, the number seven. Allah Ta'ala loves that number. You do seven circuits around the Kaaba for Tawaf, you throw seven stones at each of the Jamarat, the Shayateen, you do Sa'i seven times between Safa and Marwa. Uh, there's seven days in a week. There's seven earths. There's seven heavens. Inheritance, there's seven uh, people who inherit. Each seven Ajwa dates in the morning. The Prophet said, no witchcraft or poison would affect you. So again, notice again and again, seven. So seven mentioned again here. But the Prophet didn't mention who they were. He was 14. So who's the next best to ask? The one who narrated it. Ali heard it from the Prophet. So they turned to him. They goes, who are they? This means that he got this knowledge. And Ali radiyallahu, maybe this is why he didn't mention it, because it was his family, most of them. He goes, myself. In other words, I'm one of them. Hassan and Hussein, I, his two illustrious sons, his brother, older brother, Ja'far, his uncle, Hamza, the two sheikhs, Abu Bakr and Umar, Mus'ab ibn Umar, Bilal, who was one of the six, which I mentioned yesterday, Salman, Ammar, one of the six, again, and who's lying in the middle again? Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, Abu Dhar, and Mikdad, radiyallahu ta'ala. So now, each of these magnificent souls defended the glorious deen in subtle and various ways. If a person goes, why these 14? So, Ali radiyallahu, he 
taught us how to deal with civil wars. <laughs> so when the fitna erupted, when the Muslims for the first time turned amongst each other, if it wasn't for Ali, we wouldn't really know what to do. <laughs> so the scholars point out, he taught us. Hassan, how was he a god? He brought peace to the warring factions. <laughs> the famous peace deal he did with Muawiyah. So he taught us how to bring peace amongst the warring factions. What about his noble brother Hussein? He taught us to stand up to injustice and oppression. <laughs> you know, his duty was stirred when they called him. So he was standing up and the Prophet said, this is the best jihad to stand up to the unjust authorities. Jafar, in refusing to retreat despite overwhelming odds, when he was martyred in the battle of Mu'adha, all of the wounds were on his front. Meaning he didn't turn his back. He lost both his arms and he's seen flying in paradise with the angels, the Prophet said, so in Timbadi authentic. But another report said there were wounds on his back. And the scholars explained that's when he fell. Then he was struck on his back as well. So he taught us never to retreat despite overwhelming odds. Hamza the chief of all martyrs. So obviously he set the standard. Abu Bakr he taught us how to deal with apostates and renegades. I, the time of the uh, apostates, false prophets, arose, people refused to pay zakat. How are we supposed to deal with them? Abu Bakr taught us. Umar, he taught us how to rule as an ideal ruler over a vast empire. I, the ideal ruler. If there was a prophet after me, it would have been Umar, the prophet. Some said in Tirmidhi, authentic hadith. Mus'ab ibn Umar, radiyallahu. He was the eminent ambassador and da'i who the Prophet sent to Medina and he did the job most excellently. He taught us how to be ambassadors. Bilal radiallahu in his unflinching resolution he refused even to take the concession. Ahad and Ahad his famous cry. Salman al-Farsi radiallahu he taught us how to guide the people of the book to Islam. The companion of the two books which I mentioned, Ammar, his judgments. The Prophet said, Follow his judgment. His judgments were always ideal, and he followed Ali right to the very end. Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, in his learning, this was the God. He was a God for I to, to protect the Ummah from misguidance. Abu Dhar, he was the for excellence in zuhd, asceticism, I to take nothing from the world. And Miqdad was known as the Knight of Islam, i.e. the Cavalier. Thus, Abdullah ibn Mas'ud was more than worthy of being one of the elite blessed 14 gods of our beloved messenger. All praise and thanks be to our loving Lord subhanahu wa ta'ala who graciously sent such pure and noble souls to aid his most beloved messenger in his awesome and unparalleled task. I mean, so now what's interesting, if you look at the Prophet did he ever change the order when he was mentioning the virtues of the companions, when he mentioned the Khilafur Rashidin? Never. Abu Bakr, Umar, Uthman, Ali. 
This is one of those rare reports where they're mentioned in the middle. Hmm. But if you were listening carefully, it's not from the Prophet. <laughs> it's Ali. Right? So if a person queries this, why is Abu Bakr and Umar mentioned amongst the 14 but not at the beginning? Because they were asking Ali. And there's a way to explain that. Why? Because Ali mentioned the family of the Prophet first. He wasn't showing disrespect to the two sheikhs. Obviously, the family of the Prophet. So he mentioned himself because he was the Sayyid of the Banu Hashim after the Prophet The grandsons, his older brother who was martyred and his uncle, who was the uncle of the Prophet as well. So again, there's something that is worth pointing out there. But it was not from the Prophet It would thus not come as any surprise to learn that our beloved Messenger had an immense love for Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Mas'ud and would often be seen elaborating upon his immense rank and standing with the Lord of the Worlds. So thus far I've mentioned him with the others. So let's mention him now singularly. Sayyidina Ali, he said, Rasulullah once ordered Abdullah ibn Mas'ud to climb a tree and bring something down for him, i.e. a branch to make a siwak. Some of the companions, they observed, and when they saw Abdullah's leg uncovered, they began to laugh at his incredible skinniness. So what's happening? The Prophet told Ibn Masood, get me a miswak. Why? Because he was in charge of the miswak. That's one of his duties. So he went and his calves were uncovered and there was no meat at all. It was just pure bone. So some of the companions laughed. Rasulullah showed signs of displeasure and he said, what is there to laugh at? Verily, Abdullah's leg will be heavier in the balance on the day of judgment than even Man Uhud. In another wording, by the one who has my soul in his hand, the two calves of Abdullah will be stronger and mightier on the day of resurrection than Uhud and Harra, I two well-known mountains of the Hijaz. So let's look at this. So is it authentic? In Imam Ahmad in his Musnad, number 920, Sahih Lighayr, Tabarani, Abu Ya'la, 9-5310. Hakim in his Musnadrag, Sahih, Abu Dawood At-Tayadisi, Bazaar, Ibn Sa'ad in his Tabaqat, volume 3, page 118 of the English translation in the chapter on the companions of Badr. Ibn Abi Shayba in his Al-Musannaf, Bukhari's Al-Adab Al-Mufrad, Al-Hayatami in Majma Al-Zawaid, 9-289. Hafiz Ibn Kathir in his Al-Bidayah, 2-29, he stated, his chain of narrators is jayyid, qawi, I firm and strong. So this is a, a very strong report. So why did the companions laugh? So this wasn't a laughter to belittle. It wasn't like, uh, to bel- it was just basically, they were shocked to see his calves. Like a humorous thing, you know, when a person trips, you just laugh. You don't mean any harm came to him. It's just something that, you know, tickles your emotions as they say. But the Prophet showed his deep love for Ibn Mas'ud. What is there to laugh at? Abdullah's leg is heavier in the balance on the day of judgment than Man Uhud. So now look how interesting. 
he mentioned the same Pa de Walafina. He didn't say Ibn Masood was more, more than Uth. So he took the Pa that they were basically laughing at. Because, as if to say, will your leg be as heavy as Mount Uth on the Day of Judgment? If anybody going to laugh, because he maybe has the right to laugh at you. But in another report, the Prophet said, they'll be stronger and mightier on the Day of Judgment than Uhud and Harra. So Harra is another mountain of the Hijaz. So you shouldn't take it literally, meaning there'll be something else. You'll be honored above others. Adding details. Zir ibn Hubesh, rahmatullahi, he relates from Abdullah ibn Mas'ud himself, radiyallahu. I was cutting a siwak from an Arag tree and Zir said he had skinny legs and the wind at the time was pushing him. The people thereupon laughed at him and Rasulullah asked وسلم, What are you laughing at? They responded Ya Nabiullah The skinniness of his legs the Prophet sallallahu said, said, By the one in whose hand is my soul, they weigh more heavily in the balance than even Uhud. This is in Imam Ahmad in his Musnad, number 3991, Sahih Li Tabarani in his Kabir, number 8452, Hakim in his Mustadrak, 3-317, Sahih. Abu Ya'la in his Muslim, number 5330, Bazar, number 2678, Abu Dawud at Tayyadisi, number 255, Ashashi, number 661, Ibn Sa'ad in his Tabakat, volume 3, page 118 of the English translation in the chapter on the companions of Badr, Al Bidayah. So this adds a few details. So as he's cutting the Sewak, the branch, it was the Arag tree. The wind was pushing him. Now think about that. How frail must you be for the wind to make you lose your balance or somewhat? So this shows he was very frail. And they laughed. And note again, the Prophet said, Are you laughing at his legs? He goes, I swear by the one in whose hand is my soul, they will weigh more heavily in the balance than Uhud. So now, what do we take from this? We take from this, don't judge a book by its cover. <laughs> so outwardly, he didn't look like much in terms of physicality. But the Prophet was telling you something else. Note that these sahih ahadith also prove it will not just be good deeds which will be weighed on the scales on the Day of Judgment. <laughs> so if you ask a person, what's going to be weighed on the scales is good deeds? What else? Then the guy gives you that glazed look. Bad deeds, because well, deeds, well, this is talking about body parts. Why did the Prophet say body? His, his calves, why is he in the scale? It means it's not just your deeds, something else. And also there's other reports. In the Sayyid, it mentions that a person who has a horse for, kept for jihad, the dung and your line of that will be weighed in the scales. So think about that. How many times is a horse dung and your line? Why is Allah Ta'ala, you got the reward, but even that Allah Ta'ala puts on the scales. Another report in Sayyid Bukhari mentions there'll be a huge unbeliever, because he'll be extremely you know, obese, but he'll, he will not wear the wing of a mosquito on the scales. So even a kafir will be put on the scales, but he's, he's got no weight. So the weight isn't your 
how many kilos you weigh, is, doing, is mentioning your value, your worth. So here Ibn Mas'ud, this narration also proves it. His calves are heavier than Mount Uhud and Harra. Think about that, you know, subhanAllah. And note again, the Prophet wouldn't allow anybody to disrespect him. Indeed, our beloved Messenger would not tolerate any disrespect to his beloved companion. In Ibn Sa'ad in his Tabakat, volume 3, page 116 of the English translation in the chapter on the companions of Badr, Ubaidullah ibn Abdullah ibn Utbah, rahmatullah After settling in Al-Madinah, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam laid out dwellings in some spare unused land and allotted for Banu Zuhra an area behind the masjid and gave Abdullah and his brother Utbah ibn Mas'ud this plot at the masjid i near his blessed self. So this is the first report. So what's happened? They've migrated and the Prophet notices some spare unused land next, just behind the masjid. So he gave that part of the land to the two brothers, Abdullah and Utbah. And the, uh, it was also allotted to the Banu Zuhra. So who are the Banu Zuhra, like I mentioned? These was the noble, one of the noble tribes of the Quraysh. Aisad ibn Abi Waqas, Abdul Rahman ibn Awf. The, the family, the, the Prophet's mother's family was from there as well. So the Lord itself. Another report adds, Yahya ibn Ja'ada rahmatullah he said, When Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa came to Al-Madinah, the people divided the dwellings, i.e. in the allotted spare and unused land. A sub-tribe of the Banu Zuhra called the Banu Abd ibn Zuhra they said disapprovingly, Ibn Umi Abd is from us. In another wording, keep away from us, Ibn Umi Abd. Rasulullah thereupon said, Why did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala send me then? Remember, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not sanctify a people who do not give the weak amongst them his Jew. <laughs> this is in Ibn Sa'ad in his Tabakat, volume 3, page 115 of the English translation in the chapter on the companions of Badr. Hafiz Bahwi in Sharhu Sunnah, Mishkat in the chapter on Badr lands, water and free grants. So what's happened? The, the land has been shared out, but the sub-tribe of Banu Zuhra, they were probably looking at the fight that this apparently frail man who was just a shepherd and only an ally from the Quraysh, thus they earnestly wished that another more eminent man would be amongst them. Subhanallah, how quickly were they taught their lesson? Like I mentioned, as the saying goes, do not judge a book by its cover. Look what the Prophet said when they requested him to be away from them. Because why did Allah send me then? So who did he link Ibn Masood to? Himself. He goes, remember, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not sanctify a people until the weak get their due. If the weak don't get their due, he goes, how do you expect Allah to honor you? And this is the jahiliyyah which the Prophet warned about. The scholars say, if the sharia is applied only to the poor, hands are cut, men and women are stoned, and the nobles get away with it, that's jahiliyyah. So note here again, 
this was being taken out by Rasulullah from the hearts of his companions. And also note his brother, like I mentioned, his brother his brother is mentioned, you know, you look at the reports, he's with him, but not much is known about him per se. So all I mentioned today was basically taking a few lessons from the long report yesterday where the six noble companions were mentioned and the honor given to them. Then I mentioned the famous report where the 14 guards were mentioned, radiyallahu ta'ala anhu. And then I mentioned again the report where the blessed calves or legs of Ibn Masood will be heavier on the scales than even Mount Uhud and Mount Harra, subhanallah. And then I mentioned the allotting of land and the sub-tribe of Banu Zuhra making a statement which caused hurt to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa are there any questions you'd like to ask? Subhanallah bihamdi ismanika Allahumma bihamdika ashtu la ilaha illa anta astaghfirika atubu alayka wa dhikullahi wa shaitan jim subhanahu rabbika labbil izzati amma isifun assalamu alayhi wa salim wa alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim wa al-asghan bin insan lafi khusr al-ladhina amunu wa amilu al-sayhan wa al-wasb al-haq wa al-wasb al-sabr wa al-wasb al-sabr wa al-wasb al-sabr wa al-wasb al-sabr wa al-was